This is Wellspring, presented by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital on 99.7 and 14.50 WHTC. And for this Thursday, December the 8th, we are very pleased to have from Corwell Health Zealand Hospital, Sarah Donkerslew. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning and welcome to Wellspring, a live broadcast sponsored by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital. Would you know what to do if a fire started in your home? My guest is Zealand City Fire Chief Ross Tibbetts, who will give you some fire safety tips. Good morning, Chief Tibbetts. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I am great. And I have to set the record straight because October was National Fire Prevention Week and you were scheduled to be a guest. And I didn't provide the station with your email. So you were waiting to be connected. But I want to publicly offer my apologies as you were ready and willing. And I also want to express my thanks that you are here today because, you know, safety tips are always relevant, whether it's fire prevention month or right now in the Christmas season. So thanks for being here today. You betcha. So first of all, I have to ask, why did you want to have a career in firefighting? Well, I, I feel honored to have grown up in a family of fire service members um, being third generation and just the exposure to the career field as I was growing up, it just seemed kind of natural. And I, I guess uh, I really haven't thought about doing anything other than being in the fire service. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been something that, that I've always wanted to do. And you love it. How long love have it. you been in your role at Zealand? Uh, my role in Zealand, I'm approaching the four year mark, um, next April. So we're about three and a half years in now, just over three and a half years. So, you know, you said you love your job. What do you, enjoy most about your work? Um, a lot of things. Um, I don't I don't think the show has enough time allotted for me to uh, <laughs> to rant and rave about what I like about my job. But I, I guess a few things that I'd like to highlight, um, aside from the variety of tasks such as administrative work, fire prevention, attending meetings, uh, the unique thing about the, the fire service and public safety service in general is the the fact that we can't predict when a call is coming in or what that t call type may be. Um, it's just that state of readiness, preparedness, and uh, whatever the day may bring. Um, many times you get stuff scheduled on your calendar and a couple calls can throw all that off for the day. Uh, most of all, I like to serve the community and, and help others. Well, and, you know, right now you're doing that because none of us likes to think about, you know, having a fire, but it is important to be prepared. So, you know, thanks for providing this education. So if there's a fire, what should you do? Yeah, again, it, it's there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I think it's always always best to start out with with the with the concept of preparedness and prevention. Let's see what we can do on the front end to eliminate or minimize the chance of a fire beginning or starting. But beyond that, um, the the thought of implementing your escape plan, staying low, crawling out, go to a meeting place, call 911, and then obviously never go back in to get something. You know, you talk about an escape plan. Um, should 
people practice their evacuation plan and what should be included in it. And um, just give us some thoughts about that whole aspect. Sure. Actually, the, the theme for fire prevention this year was or is fire won't wait, plan your escape. So during fire, the National Fire Prevention Week this year, back in October, members from Zealand Fire Rescue were out every day talking to kids about having an escape plan. And having an escape plan is an important part of being prepared. The next step is how do you exercise that? How do you test that? Because uh, obviously we want to make sure if we're, if we're developing a plan that we're testing it to make sure that it's effective. And then when you test it, you can evaluate if there's any, any changes that would need, need to be made to enhance or make that plan better. So my guest today is Chief Ross Tibbetts from the Zealand Fire Department, and we are by Zoom, but we do have a caller that called in with a question. And if you do have a question, you can call 395-1450. That's 395-1450. But Gary, please share that listener's question with us. Uh, a listener wanted to know, uh, uh, Sarah and Ross, dealing with Christmas time and some of the dangers. We had Chris Tinney on last uh, uh, last week from the Holland uh, uh, Fire Department, but the listener couldn't, list, couldn't listen at the time. Wanted to know, what is the biggest uh, concern right now? Is it the trees? Is it the heat or what? Because uh, uh, these Christmas trees could be going up any time. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, again, um, many different things to consider at all times when it comes to fire safety, uh, fire prevention. But especially during the holidays, um, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, one, one being that when you use decorations, uh, whenever possible, try to make sure that they're flame retardant or non-flammable. Uh, the other thing would be check, the, check all your holiday lights each year for frayed wires, excessive wear, anything that could, could result in some sort of electrical issue or electrical fire. And then with anything, um, not just holiday decorations, but anytime you're dealing with appliances or anything like that, we should always focus on following the manufacturer's recommendations as to how to properly use that piece of equipment or appliance uh, along with lights and, and stuff like that. So uh, the other thing, never leave candles unattended. Uh, according to NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, actually year-round, more than one-third of homes uh, home decoration fires are actually started by candles. So uh, when you when you think about that that one third, that's a, a pretty high high fraction there. So the other thing, um, obviously, a lot of people do use or have the live trees versus the artificial, and can't stress enough to make sure that those remain watered so that they don't dry out. And um, another statistic is that one in five Christmas tree fires are caused by heat sources being too close to these trees. So those are just a couple of, of examples of, of things to look for and to consider during the holiday season. Um, I, I would always refer people to the NFPA website uh, to look up additional information. There's a ton of statistics out there about uh, various causes of fire and, and the different effects of it. You know, you know, great question, and we were going to talk about that later, so I appreciate the listener calling in because it's on the top of our minds. You know, you know a lot of people have artificial trees, and they're on a timer, and, you know, the timer may go off, you know, when they're not home because they just, you know, it looks pretty when you can go past somebody's house and there's a, a lit tree. Is it 
okay to keep that on when you're not home. If you've checked your lights and you know there's no frayed and you know you don't have a zillion on one, you know, cord, um, you've done all those precautions. Thoughts about that? Sure. So again, I would I would say there's probably a manufacturer recommendation component of this too, but I would say like any appliances, it's always best to turn stuff off when you're not around or not going to be home. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, it, it's one of one additional step in prevention. Let's do what we can to potentially prevent that fire from happening and, uh, you know, take whatever precautions we may need to take to minimize that risk of a fire starting. You know, also, you know, in the winter season and people are, you know, lighting up their, their fireplace. Um, thoughts about that? I mean, should you have each year, should you have somebody come and check your fireplace to make certain there's not a buildup? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's an important factor. Um, many people do seek out some sort of uh, fire to fireplace evaluation um, and inspection, make sure all the bricks are intact and that the flu does not have excessive buildup because it, it most certainly can lead to some sort of chimney fire and, uh, and obviously cause additional damage if, if it's not inspected and operated when it's not in a condition that it should be. You know, we're talking about fires and we've talked about an evacuation plan. Um, if there is a fire in your home, like you say, you've got to get out. How long do people have to get out of a room that has started burning or is filled with smoke? Sure. Uh, that little bit of a loaded question there. Uh, there's a lot of variables that come into play with uh, how quick you need to get out. Obviously, the quicker, the better. But I think the, the important thing to hit home with that is the importance of having smoke alarms, adequate number of smoke alarms, and operating smoke alarms. These are obviously at, at any point in time going to give you the earliest notification in the event that there is smoke starting to fill a home. So let's talk about those smoke alarms because they do save lives. Um, what should you look for when you purchase one? Well, uh, yeah, I, I think one thing that I would usually consider purchasing a smoke detector, I always like to try to try to purchase smoke detectors that have a, a reputable brand that, that are a reputable brand versus, um, you know, some, some smoke, to, smoke alarms out there, um, don't even necessarily have a legit brand name. So I would say uh, going to a to a store that that carries reputable brand name smoke detectors. And then the other thing that's uh, that's new and not new, but kind of important is a lot of the smoke detectors, smoke alarms are starting to transition to the 10 year sealed battery type that uh, bat the battery is good for 10 years and uh, you can't take the battery out. So uh, there are documented cases where smoke detectors were present in the home, but someone happened to grab the batteries out of there to use it for some other some other device that required batteries. So having those 10-year sealed units, uh, I would I would think makes some sort of difference too. And how many should there be in a home? Um, each, each house it it may vary. Uh, right now, the current recommendation is to have one in every bedroom, one outside the bedroom, and in the area of the sleeping or the, the bedrooms, and then at a minimum one per floor beyond that. So a lot of it depends on the number of bedrooms, the way that those bedrooms are configured in the home, and then the number of floors that are in the home as well. You know, you mentioned about the 10 year batteries, but probably most people just have it, you know, where they have, you know, the battery that you can take out. 
um, how often should they be checked? And then how often should you replace the batteries to make certain, you know, they're going to alert in the event of a fire? Sure. The, the current recommendation for, for checking batteries or checking the, the smoke alarm is actually once a month and after replacing the batteries. The current recommendation for all, how often they should be changed is at least twice a year. Uh, we, we typically recommend around the spring, spring ahead, fall back time of year, time change year, um, which is just a good reminder that that's a good time to, to consider doing this. Uh, another listener called in and had a question dealing with carbon monoxide awareness. Uh, Chief, can you address that? Sure. Yeah, car- carbon monoxide is uh, is obviously a, a gas that you can't see, you can't smell, uh, but it's produced by, by uh, your furnaces that are gas-fed, your stoves, ovens that are gas-fed. Any gas-fed appliance has the ability to produce carbon monoxide and... Uh, it's, it's definitely a recommendation to have carbon monoxides in the home, and the current recommendation would be at least one per floor, and you'd probably want to place that somewhere in the vicinity of the sleeping areas so that if, if carbon monoxide was being produced overnight, it would be close enough to a sleeping area that, that people would hear that, similar to a smoke, smoke alarm. So, Chief Tibbetts, we have about a minute left. Um, what's your last thoughts for those people who are listening? We never want to have your team show up at our door, but if so, we know that they will provide wonderful service. But a parting thought. Yeah, I think uh, I think the thing that's important is is the prevention side of it again. Let's do what we can to prevent a fire from starting in the first place. And I think the other things to think about are uh, right now, uh, cooking fire still remains one of the highest causes of fire in, in a home. So I would emphasize don't leave food cooking unattended. Um, make sure if you're using a portable space heater that you're using it in a fashion that is safe. Um, portable, portable heaters are very popular this time of year just to add a little additional heat. and that they often can cause a fire if they're too close to combustible materials. So the current recommendation for a portable, for use of a portable heater is actually uh, to plug it directly into a wall outlet versus an extension cord. A lot of extension cords are not rated to power a portable heater. Again, keep keep it away from combustible materials. And then uh, a lot of people have pets in their home. So make sure that that portable heater has a tip over protection feature that if a pet or, or someone else were to tip that over, that it automatically shuts off. Well, we're um, out of time. We are out of time. And I am so thankful that we were able to connect. Um, thanks for being here, uh, Ross. And thanks for the service that you and your team provide. Um, and until next week, Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital wishes you well. Thanks for listening to Wellspring, presented by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.